0: Hey everybody, welcome to Student Morning Life Live. Today we're going to be looking at divine love and wisdom. My name is Curtis Childs and i am your host. This strange gentleman to my left here. Just kidding, this wonderful, upstanding <laughs> gentleman. Oh, I've started off on a bad foot with him. Dr. Jonathan Rose, thank you very much
1: for coming. Hi Curtis, I'm delighted to be here.
0: So what we're doing today is testing our bonds of friendship and taking a- another step in our journey through everything. okay. Because we are, piece by piece, giving you everything about everything, and we're doing it in the way that Swedenborg originally distributed it. He did it. Yeah. The
1: original sequence.
0: Which is pretty pretty hip in its own, right? Before we take the next step, and this is a big step, we're going to be talking about Divine Love and Wisdom, which is actually even more grandiose than it sounds, because we're talking about sort of the underlying structure of everything. Yeah. Let's get ourselves warmed up. Let's go from our regular, world-driven, too-busy mindset into a time when we're thinking about spiritual things so we can get our sort of minds and uh, vocal cords right. We start that, oops, I forgot, by liking and subscribing.
1: That's the first step.
0: Well, I mean, you guys should do it. And you should click the bell here. That really helps this show continue to be as strange as it is. Now, let's get in there. Let's do our icebreaker. And set the tone. If you're in the chat, get ready because we're going to be hit hard with a question. An initial question that's on the subject we're talking about this is going to get us thinking in this sort of way. Hopefully, according to Swedenborg, you know, all the good sort of insights we can get are coming out literally coming from heaven. And hopefully we can sort of open up our little heaven connections by starting to turn our thoughts in that direction. So what do we want to start with? This is the question. What is a way that you picture God that is comforting? Mm. Because you could certainly have a concept of God that is anti-comforting. Yep, yep. A lot of people there. have decided there uh, there is no such thing as God because such uncomforting, uncomfortabling, uh, descriptions of God have been put out there and marketed en masse. There's also times when we can think about God as a concept, there's times when we can think about God as something, a taskmaster or inspiration, not even necessarily negative, but what about comfort? Do you, do you ever think about a divine entity in a way that's comforting? And while he's answering that, all of you in the chat room, get your answers together too. We're going to be compiling those at the end of the show, because we really want to hear what are your pictures of God that are comforting? Do you, Have you ever had a comforting picture of the essence of, you know, the being that runs everything? Okay, so what do you got?
1: Yeah, it, it's an interesting question. Years ago, I used to picture sometimes that I was, you know, holding a hand or, you know close to, to God or, or something like yeah. that in some physical way. I find I don't picture those things anymore, which is interesting. It shifted to something else. How long ago? And it's hard to put into words. Yeah. like, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago or something like okay. that, it, yeah. it shifted a while ago. And um, now what I find comforting, first of all, partly I find comforting the way that I see that, that mercy for other people in other people's lives, or when you see somebody doing something so extraordinarily good, Makes you weep, you know, or, or um, also this notion uh, of a divine sense of humor. I I, oh, yeah. I I find that strangely comforting. That there's sort of a perspective there. There's a human mind, although infinite, behind what we're going through, and and um, and also the idea that uh, God's playing a long game. Yeah, I like that. Like it, you can you can have, you know, a bad quarter or three quarters <laughs> or something, like the Super Bowl or something. But oh. but you know, eventually, you know, th- there's a long game that that God is playing, and it's it's not it's never over, and I, I find that comforting. I, it's not exactly a picture, but it's a, a sense of that who that person is, what yeah. that personality
0: kind is. Of a patient God, I would say, and this is. I think very apropos for doing a show about divine love and wisdom, the book, picturing God as a person, to me, is immensely comforting, and portrayals of God as a person. I'm thinking about not even necessarily famous paintings of Jesus Christ, but there have been recent pop movies that depict God, thinking about uh, times when you see an actor, but they're playing God, and they're a a kind God. That, to me, just really hits, like, oh, no, that's that's something. And there's a, there's a game that I've played at times in my life where the radio is on, and whatever song comes on, because I'm mm. already loaded up with this idea of correspondences, and that you could be saying one thing, like is in the text of the Bible, but yet it means something much more intimate and immediate and, and smart and, and with it. So I picture whatever song's coming on, that is God singing that song, and somehow I just hold it loosely. like Those lyrics mean something really amazing, if you know the correspondences that is immensely comforting, because it does a couple of things for me. It gives me a a dynamic picture of God, that God is not just a person, but like hip enough to be singing on the radio, and that, that hearing the emotion behind God, that God is something relatable, to me that does generate a comfortable, a comforting picture of God.
1: So nice, and I actually find, if I can amend my file an amended report, sure. The, uh, I also find the idea that God became human and actually suffered And then got through it and was improved by it Hmm. like that's comforting to me that there's some shared experience if it's just a force in the universe then i don't really know that i have anything in common with that force you know but if it's somebody who's actually been through stuff and it was difficult but they had a goal and they persevered you know uh, i find that comforting
0: so there we go that's us what about you we i'm really actually excited to hear this one what what's a comforting idea of God? And this is the kind of thing that can be very, very contagious. If you, if you take the time to fill out your answer there, or in the comments if you're watching after the show, please do so, because I bet you're going to inspire somebody, and they're going to take that picture with them, and it's going to comfort them as we go through life, and that's a part of what the whole thing is about. So Great
1: question to think about. Though. Oh
0: yeah, awesome. And with all that said, now let's move into our discussion of divine love and wisdom. Like I said, we are going through the distribution of knowledge that Swedenborg got and gave to us in the very order and through the very same media that he did it. You may read that title in here, book club, and for some people this is hooray, and other people this is click to a new video, if you haven't already clicked away. (laughs) This is, I think, is important to get this context, to look through the books as he did them, because that gives you, because really what we're all after is the spiritual concepts inside, which are independent of a book, that once you have in your mind, you go around. But understanding why and how he distributed this helps me understand the concepts better, and helps me categorize my own, there's so much, helps me categorize my own picture of life. Yeah. So, all that said, what are we talking about today?
1: Well, we're talking about divine love and wisdom. She Let me throw that up on like the screen. Yeah, yeah, there we go, up on the screen. And um, this is, actually has a long title of Angelic Wisdom about divine love and about divine wisdom. And so it's angelic wisdom. It's about God's love and wisdom. Yeah. Uh, but everybody in, refers to it as divine love and wisdom.
0: And him plugging right there, I've seen and talked to angels. That's how I know what's going on in this book.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. All right,
0: so what I'd say is okay, you're you're selling me this book. First of all, it's we're not selling it though cuz it's free to download. Go to Swedenborg.com and just click download. You have a free PDF of it anytime That's right. you want. Um, but still, with you, you know, selling you're at my doorstep selling it to me, what's you want me to <clears throat> have this book? What's the book? Let's let's play our first game, which is what's the headline? If mm. you had to give a thesis or a condensed statement of value from this thing, what is it?
1: Well, In my best kind of headline style I can think of, I would say, scientist discovers what lies behind everything. Now, that doesn't tell you what it is. I'll take it. But that is what the book is about. Yeah.
0: Well, so, funny story. In the early days of this channel, I had my first interaction with a large YouTube presence. Uh, There's a gentleman named Charlie Veach. If you Google maybe Curtis Childs or maybe off the left eye, that'll still come up pretty high. He had like 55,000 subscribers at the time, which was much more than we have. Um, And he wanted to do an interview with me because he had... He seen some of the Swedenborg stuff, was interested in the Swedenborg's message, and I remember at one point he said, let's say we're worth a couple thousand years down the road, and scientists have really discovered what the universe is actually all about. What are we going to be talking about? And I was able to say, love and wisdom, <laughs> yeah, right. that when you get down to the core of it, you're actually talking about the same kind of things you can, you can describe as being, in, in our psychology, actually underlie everything. And that's part of the headline, divine love and wisdom are the bedrock of of everything.
1: Yeah, and some people think that, well, what underlies everything is love. And so we're saying, true, but, you know, there's more to it. it is love and wisdom, these two parts.
0: All you need is love and wisdom. Yeah. So, la- now let's talk about, that's what it's, that's what it's condensed headline is. So headline. We, what's in it? What do we find inside the book if we actually take the time to crack it open or scroll it open or something like that?
1: <coughs> well, it's, a. Uh, it's another, you know, Swedenborg was sort of Light slimming as he went. Yeah. I don't know if any of you saw the show about Secrets of Heaven with the 15 volumes all the way across the bottom of the screen. And so we, we, we're, we've we been slimming here, yeah. you know. And uh, Divine Love and Wisdom is unusual in Swedenborg's works that it comes in kind of five even parts it's divided into. That and he, that he de-
0: demarcates. He actually says part one, that's part two. That's his
1: demarcations. That's right. And they're five kind of distinct topics that he deals with, but they're all interrelated. And sometimes in other works, he will refer you just to that part. Those parts are then subdivided into little bite-sized chapters. Yeah. They'll give you a lot to think about. You can't just sort of whip through them, but, the, but yeah. you know, page and a half, two pages of a little chapter within these parts.
0: It's not a whip through kind of book. It is, okay, it is not, it is not. What are, are those deep. parts?
1: The five parts are the Lord's love and wisdom, is part one. Part two is the spiritual sun, S-U-N, yeah. which is a really, really cool, I don't know, it's like part of my favorite part of the book, I think, okay. about the idea that, okay, we've got a physical sun up in the sky, but in the spiritual world, there's a sun that's even more <clears throat> alive and, and powerful right. and lies behind all the creation. Number three is just the idea of levels, and not only levels in the physical world, but levels in the spiritual world, Yes. and the whole thing is Mm multi-leveled, and so it's really like sort of the nature of reality type of book.
0: And he's giving you the nature, like, here's the basics of reality, but basics you didn't know were the basics, things you didn't know you didn't know, like levels and the spiritual sun. I never thought to ask about those in the first place. Yeah,
1: right. I I didn't walk around thinking about, hmm, I wonder if there's a sun in the other world and what that looks (laughs) like. But these next two. And then the next two are the creation of the universe. Throw just that in there. Just a little throwaway topic. And, and then number five, what the else? creation of humanity, of, of, of the human race, and particularly how we're formed spiritually and physically, like how that whole thing works. Yeah, yeah. So that's all. I just cover some, some basics.
0: Here's a sample. Here's the table of contents or a little piece of it. If you were to download the PDF or get the book or whatever you wanted to do, Here's a little sampling of the, the kinds of things he titles. These are not the big sections you were talking about. These are the mini sections inside. Yeah, these are the
1: little chapters. That's right. Look at the page numbers. See? Yeah. Only one page long, one page long, two pages long, right? Bam.
0: But, and, and a couple of things to notice. One is, although we are talking about God and divine human one, we are not overly Christian in these titles. No. The whole book is very yeah, philosophical. It's not
1: Jesus or Father, Son, Holy Spirit or something. Although Jesus is what he's talking about when he talks about the divine human one. Yes. He means the one who is both divine, right, and human. Who is who is Jesus? And there that's, you go. That's what he means.
0: And so, just the, the true divine essence is love and wisdom. Divine love is a property of divine wisdom. Divine wisdom is a property of divine love. Very thorough walk through. Divine love and wisdom cannot fail to be and to be manifested in others that it has created. These are the sorts of things that he has to walk through to set that out. Um, I want to talk about the number six there in mm. the divine human one. Infinite things are distinguishably one. Is that just <laughs> wordplay? was what, he, what's he going on? I,
1: I, I love this because he's. It's characteristic of the work that he's going deep into things that almost transcend the ability of language to communicate. Yeah. Because uh, what I gather he means, the way it sort of gets translated into my <laughs> down translated into my head, is that uh, God is not just like a big blob of godness, yeah. you know. Here's Here's a scoop of it for you. One blob of, yeah, Yeah, and it's just like a giant jellyfish or something. It's all the same. it would be cool. He says that, no, God has an infinite number of infinite things within God, and you can actually usefully talk about the divine mercy as being quite separate from something intense. He talks about sometimes like the divine nemesis or something, Mm. you know, or or talking about love as opposed to truth in God and you can talk about those things separately but they're they are one but distinguishably one
0: doesn't this follow directly from our conversation about God being a person because we're one. I'm Curtis over here. Oh true. You're yeah, over you there. It's very obvious there's two people on screen here, but yet I am this multiplicity of parts that are very distinguishably different. No matter how far deep in there it's oh yeah. now, now it's different bones, now it's different muscles, now it's different cells, now it's different molecules. Everything is very much itself, but yet we act together as one thing that can do stuff like
1: that. Right. And it's just and that's just the physical level. Then you've got the heart and mind that are driving the, the you know telling you what to do and all all that stuff.
0: So, we've established that, why would Swedenborg put out a book like this? And and maybe for context on that, when? We want to play our game, why and when? How does this fit into Swedenborg's quest to, he was having Mm -hmm. access to all this incredible knowledge, he felt like it was his life's work to get it out into the world. What was his strategy in doing this and what was he hoping to accomplish And what what? How does that fit into the the context?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting to try to piece this together. Um, I I used to think that Swedenborg's books were kind of roughly interchangeable. Yeah, you know, you read one, you read them all, kind of thing. But actually, they're quite different and done for different reasons. If we look at the timeline. Uh, we are still in 1763. That's where we were when we talked about the four sets of teachings, the four doctrines. 1763, he puts this out in the same year, and yet, a fun little fact, uh, of the four sets of teachings, one is called the Lord, Yeah. and we talked about the fact that it's very scriptural. Yeah. Do you know how much more the Lord quotes scripture than divine love and wisdom published in the same year? And they're both about God. How much, Jonathan Rose? 45 times as much. It's like insanity how much scripture yeah. quoting there is <laughs> in the one work. And yeah. divine love and wisdom has hardly any scripture, as we saw in those chapter titles. Not a lot of talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all sort of Christian or biblical yeah. language in there. He's
0: really going after a philosophically minded audience, trying to hit a different part of his potential it's a readership. audience. Uh, I when, agree. Yeah. When I was uh, going to college, there was a guy that I knew who was a philosophy major. And I was on my own little Johnny Appleseed spree of giving out these books, and I gave <laughs> divine love and wisdom to him. And he was very polite about it. I don't think it really rocked his world or anything. But this that I knew, like this is the, maybe the one that he's going to be able to interface with, because if, you, if you're not uh, into Christianity or spiritual experiences, and you open up a different book, you might not hit it. But this has a different, it's talking
1: to you in a different way. That's right. And you can even see by going back through the letters that he sent out, as cover letters with the books and how they were distributed he sent these to different people than he sent the four sets of teachings that we mm. talked about last time yeah. so he, he really was trying to he'll have cross references in the book that send you to his other books he's not trying to hide the fact that he was also the author of Heaven and Hell yeah. or, or you know something else book on the Last Judgment but uh, they're different I see them as like different gateways and this, there some people, this is their f- absolute favorite book of Swedenborg's because it is so philosophical and it's so cool. It's talking yeah. about creation and, and, and the human form, you know, heart and lungs, and why we are the way we are and all that.
0: As one last summarizing experience, let's do our game first and last where we just oh. crack open the beginning of the book and the end. Okay. How do you, in a work like this that covers what it covers, how do you start it? And I'm glad we're doing this today because I think we would agree, this is his best start of any of his books.
1: I I think it is his ultimate launch. you be the judge. See what you think of this. We don't want to hype it up. It's horrible. We don't like it at all. This is very, very cool. Beginning here. I'll just just read you uh, uh, the paragraph that he starts with here. Love is our life. For most people, the existence of love is a given. Like everybody knows about love. But the nature of love is a mystery. As for the existence of love, this we know from everyday language. We say that someone loves us, that monarchs love their subjects and that subjects love their monarch. We say that a husband loves his wife and that a mother loves her children and vice versa. We say that people love their country, their fellow citizens, their neighbor. We use the same language about impersonal objects, saying that someone loves this or that thing. You know, your favorite kind of ketchup and so on. Even (laughs) though the word love is so commonly on our tongues, Still hardly anyone knows what love is.
0: What is love? And that is an introduction that's going that's after cool. somebody almost in the style of a comedian. Like, hey, you know how we all talk about love and what, what is it? It's not at all, you could start a book and say... Um, angels told me what love is. Or you could say, right. as we know, Jesus said this. But this is a different
1: right. approach. And no, this is it's trying to engage the mind, isn't it? And get your thinking. And
0: to show some of the scope of this, this is how he ends it. And this is a section about, it's entitled, the nature of our first stage after conception. So he is talking about, in this well, last you're sentence... You're
1: really talking about the
0: beginning, like conception, right? This is, we believe, describing the spiritual counterpart to an embryo. And he's saying, as we just are beginning life physically, this is what's going on on the spiritual side yeah. of things. And he says, further, since love and wisdom are the essential person, love and wisdom being the Lord in essence, and since this primal stage of ours is a vessel, it follows that there is in this primal stage a constant striving toward the human form, of the form that it gradually takes on.
1: Whoa! So it's like you have a certain form that's going to be receptive of this divine love and wisdom. Yeah, uh, but it's a long game, as I was saying before. You 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 will grow into that more and more over time. That's a very cool. Okay, and. Again, deep stuff. I, I I don't hang around just thinking about, well sure there's the embryo, but what lies behind that? <laughs> what does that look like? You know, it's it's deep.
0: Asking the que- or answering the questions nobody asked. That's what That's we're going to do. It. So That's your headline. Let's That's get it. Headline. Let's get into it now. We're going to go in our three-bite section, give you a couple things to chew on mm. this week that have to do with the mysteries of the universe. we can going to try to give you a sense of the scope of the material and also try to go from the philosophical, um, ethereal language of the book into something that perhaps you can take with you and use as you try to you know, loosen the nuts and bolts on your own mental processes. This is starting out talking about the nature of reality and also of love and wisdom and how okay. they fit together. Just a small beginning. Small. This is from 14. In the Divine Human One reality and its manifestation are both distinguishable and united.
1: Whoa, we are not in Kansas anymore. Close the book. Um, Okay. Wherever there is
0: reality, there is its manifestation. The one does not occur without the other. Let's try to give some examples of this. Would it it be accurate to say, if you're talking about the reality and its manifestation, let's say that the reality is art, and the manifestation is a particular painting. Uh Or let's say Picasso's art and Starry Night, did he do Starry Night, is one particular manifestation. Or is that Van Gogh's It's It's all the same. (laughs) So my point (laughs) is you can have a thing that's an example of this underlying, this was the best album that Group X put out because Group X is the underlying thing,
1: right? Right. And it's a good example because we can talk about art in the abstract, but You've only ever experienced art in the form of some manifestation of it. Yes, that's right. Right. It's inseparable.
0: But you know that there's more to art than the sum total of all the things that have been produced. It's not like now there's... And there's
1: other things that could come along that you say, that's art, or that's not art. That's right,
0: that's right. Well, I know there's a raging debate about that. In fact, reality exists through its manifestation, and not apart from it. Our rational capacity grasps this when we ponder whether there can be any reality that does not manifest itself.
1: Yeah, how could it be real if it took no form whatever? And whether there can be any ma- any
0: manifestation except from some reality. Isn't
1: this is a classic Swedenborg.
0: Yeah, that's right. He's got to make sure he balances both sides of the equation. But isn't it true that you couldn't talk about you could talk about water, but there's no such thing as water without, oh, it's a puddle, it's a raindrop, it's a river. The water's in some form, which is right. which is sort of like the manifestation.
1: And that, a puddle with no water is really not much of a puddle.
0: No offense. So, since each occurs with the other and not apart from it, it follows that they are one entity, but distinguishably one. There it is. Just like you were talking about. They are distinguishably one like love and wisdom. Mm. So here we Funny go. Funny he would
1: pick that example.
0: Now we're starting to connect these, these smaller examples to the big one. Further, love is reality, and wisdom is its manifestation. What a great little quote, right? So Hmm. somehow these things that we think of as wanting things and knowing things, actually love is the underlying reality of life. Love is art. Wisdom is the painting. Love occurs only in wisdom, and wisdom only from love. So love becomes manifest when it is in wisdom.
1: This stuff just gets me thinking on a different kind of level. It's almost like you can feel it in your head, sort of changing your state, and thinking about... The way that love always manifests people talk a lot about love but the idea that it always manifests in a wisdom yeah you know and and that what wisdom embodies what really lies at the heart of it is love that's what it's doing yeah. it's just sort of the methodology or the you know yeah it, it, it's the uh, technology of love or something as expansive as
0: that is that's not nearly the whole book so let's go on to the next mm. concept
1: well another topic that was a raging debate at his time was the purpose of creation right and some people in his time had said that the purpose is for god to behold himself in a mirror because he didn't really know himself so right, he right. did create a mirror to look in a vanity project and, yes and swedenborg had a different perspective on it the grand purpose or the purpose of all elements of creation because they all have the same ultimate purpose yeah. even though each thing is different what's the point of life is an eternal union of the Creator with the created universe. Not just a look at yourself in the mirror, but it's no, there's a relationship there. This does not happen unless there are subjects, meaning people, ultimately, in which His divinity can be at home, so to speak, subjects that... Sorry, dot, 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 (laughs) in which it can dwell and abide... For these subjects to be his dwellings and homes, they must be receptive of his love and wisdom. They have—you yeah. couldn't have a home that you can't fit in or something, yep. right? Uh, they must be receptive of his love and wisdom, apparently, of their own accord. Now that's a whole can, can of Swedenborg and worms, there. isn't it?
0: It's this crucial concept,
1: <laughs> ripe, juicy, sweet, and that works, right?
0: that is essential to our regeneration, to our union with God. Yet is really counterintuitive and murky to, to work through. But he's saying this is this is the crux of the whole thing.
1: Yeah. And so God is really in charge, but it's very important for us to seem to be the active party in all this. Yeah. So that we can be receptive, and so that you set up this reciprocal relationship. So it says subjects, meaning people who will, with apparent autonomy raise themselves toward the creator and unite themselves with him in the absence of this reciprocity there's no union it makes it and looking in the mirror is not it gets old yep i mean it's fascinating for the first 40 50 years of your life but it wears off after a while (laughs) Uh, in the absence of this reciprocity there's no union we are those subjects people who can raise themselves and unite with apparent Autonomy.
0: And not just a description of why did God start everything, but also our role in it and what we're supposed to
1: be aiming for in life. Yeah, and how we, I mean, there's so much in there. You can just keep unpacking it. Yeah. But that idea of how we exercise that autonomy in order to fit in with this love and wisdom. And I find the idea of love being, and wisdom being behind everything, just radically positive. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, it's a beautiful, rather than just sort of like meaningless forces crashing into each other. And the purpose
0: of the universe is not a divine test to see who's cool and who's not cool. The point of it is this permanent union of God with everyone, which implies the happiness Mm. that comes with that. That's really, in Swedenborg's day, the religious alternative that was being peddled by the the church, quite uh, much more bleak.
1: Yeah, and and, uh, the he doesn't get into it in these quotes that we've read, but the fact that every person is their own little kind of slice of that love, yeah. like everybody has their own unique love and their own understanding, which is their own sort of image and likeness of God. Yeah. And that's why you would have a, that's why there's so much variety in the human race. And trying to get rid of that is n- going against the scheme.
0: It's a very Godish book. We're talking a lot about God and the nature of God. And we're going to do that more in this third quote, and this is particularly because we're going on and on, about God being human in the beginning because what, yeah. what does that what does that mean though yeah. how could you do that? that that's exactly what he addresses here so this is from 285
1: and fasten your seatbelt
0: the Lord from eternity or Jehovah could not have created the universe and everything in it except as a person what yeah I, I don't follow because wouldn't
1: you? You had to be like human to uh, what, what do that. What does that mean? Something? Wouldn't you
0: rather be a, some kind of ball of light or some kind of computer? What, what does that mean? Yeah, if some people, energy or something. And and, doesn't that, and Swedenborg is right here anticipating the reaction to that. Yes, he concept,
1: is. Because he immediately starts dealing with that.
0: If people have an earthly physical concept of the divine human one, they are utterly incapable of understanding how a human god could create the universe and everything in it. They, think, if
1: you're really just thinking like five or six feet tall and weighs you know yeah. 130 to 180 pounds or whatever you know like Le- he's yeah no you're, you're stuck.
0: It lends itself to some absurdities. They think to themselves, how can a human god wander wander from place to place through <laughs> the universe creating things? I uh, create. Okay,
1: create, like here's create, here's yeah, Jupiter okay, got or got here that. was
0: Jupiter and now I got it oh I got to get all the way over there to. Andromeda.
1: This is a lot of work. It's more work than I read. Or, how can God speak the word from one place? A little biblical allusion snuck in there, yeah.
0: And things be created as soon as the word is spoken.
1: Yeah, like, like, boom, let there be light. You know, like, that, that was it.
0: If you have God in one place as a person saying, let there be light, and then light appears somewhere, what was the matrix by which that command moved to that space? And who was carrying out the orders to assemble? Was it th- there's God as a human, but then he has invisible tendrils over here? It does seem to have mm.
1: some problems. and I'm, You get stuck. Yeah, yeah. You, get, you get into a... Unfortunately, you we're not... yourself into an intellectual corner.
0: Yeah, w- who no, I don't think we're totally going to get out of that corner here, because I think the quote's going to cut off before then, but you can all <laughs> okay, continue. Yeah. So, things like <laughs> this come to mind when people say that God is a person if... if people are thinking about the divine human one the same way they do about earthly people. And when their thought about God is based on nature and its attributes, specifically time and space.
1: Yeah, so that running around here, create this, run around there, create Yeah, Yeah, that's a time and space kind of concept.
0: On the other hand, if their thought about God is not based on earthly people, not based on nature and its space and time, they grasp clearly that the universe could not have been created unless God we're a person.
1: That is, yeah.
0: A huge reversal there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just interesting. And you, you just have to read the book, I guess.
0: That, yeah, well, and he, he gives you a little exercise here. Focus your thought on the angelic concept of God, of a human God. Oh,
1: just think of it the way angels do Which All is right. a, of some Good. kind of...
0: And as far as you can, eliminate any concept of space, and you will be close to the truth in your thinking.
1: Yeah, if you start... Getting wrapped up in the endless vastness of all yeah. the light years of space, or something, and then you're trying to, you know, rise above that and think about this purpose how love and wisdom are coming together to yeah. form a whole world in which there can be these beings who can love you in return with yeah. their own apparent autonomy, and, and boom, yeah.
0: You know. Somehow, he's given it almost like it's a practice that you can do. I'm going to think about God sort of as a person and try to, whatever space and time mean to you, however they creep into your thoughts, think of it place that has no time and no distance, and how does God move in that? He's saying you may just well, like we were talking about before, get some inflow from heaven that gives you the true idea.
1: Yeah, and so the the main thought that's popping in my head right now is that something that I think of as being human, or that humans have more than animals do, is kind of purposeful, um, strategic, I mean, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like making a really long-term uh-huh. plan or, I, I don't know, you know, yeah. uh, I don't I mean to insult animals at all here, but but just thinking about God, why does it have to be human? Why does it have to be a person? I wonder if that's part of it, was that there was a a whole wisdom and a love behind it, which are those human qualities. And you know? you
0: just meditate on in your own mind, like what, is, what does human mean? What is the essence of human? Because there's certainly characteristics of human that is the opposite of divine love and wisdom. The
1: absolute opposite, yep. We it's, do embody that quite capably Sweden, as
0: well. Swedenborg. And is it is it humans as opposed to animals, or is it humans as opposed to rocks, or is it humans as opposed to abstract ideas, or is it human as opposed to just things like gravity and temperature? What I, I'm not saying we're going to tell you the answer. You think about it and let us know. <laughs> okay, yeah. so just to wrap it up on that note, <laughs> how does this book help? What, what can we get out of this. Why do you and your wonderful team continue to update and publish this book? What do you think it can give to the world?
1: Uh, I think it's just a most wonderful meditation on love, on the nature, and the purpose of creation. It kind of, when I was editing it, it kind of opened my eyes to just the nature that's all around us. The thinking about, oh wait, that tree is the way that it is. Yeah. Because of, there's some love behind it. There's some yeah. purpose. There's an order to the whole universe. Yeah. And and um, and it gets into areas that's, that that uh, Sweetman's other works don't to the same degree. You know, it yeah. r- it really goes way into levels, way into the nature of even talking about atmospheres and soils and the spiritual world. You know, what is the soil of the spiritual world like? It's stuff that i never bothered thinking on my own.
0: Plant Hardiness Zone 7. That's right. And I would say it may not be the very first book you pick up when you have a very pertinent, uh, immediate question about what's the the sort of the details of the life after death for somebody who's going through, how do I, what's going on in my own thoughts and feelings in a very immediate sense. But if you're looking to complete your view of life, And you're looking to make it all make sense and tie it together and actually fully understand the concepts you do have, you might want to try Divine Love and Wisdom. All right, so how do you guys like that? Let's Mm. talk about it. We're going to do a question and answer session coming up live right now. If you're in the chat room right now, please write your question. We're going to be answering them to the best of our ability. If you're watching the show afterwards, go ahead and write your questions in the comments. Anyway, we'll have one of our awesome moderators get to it. So, and as we've been doing, next section is elevator pitch. So we need you guys to be submitting little snippets of what's... what's a concept in Swedenborg you'd like to see us try to explain (laughs) succinctly in a minute. So if if you haven't seen Elevator Pitch before, ask the other people in the chat room. They'll fill you in. But give us... so both give us your questions for this and your Elevator Pitch ideas, which we'll use next. Let's see what the first question is. Flower Child asks, If God is divine wisdom and He loves everyone, does that mean He also loves the devil? So, Let's begin with a brief discussion of who's the devil All right, and does God love even that?
1: Yes, Swedenborg has a very interesting take on the devil. Sometimes he'll talk in terms of the devil, but at yes. other times he'll explain it. When I say the devil, there's no one sort of being of infinite malice and hatred or something. Self-generated. Yeah, and there's no fallen angel who turned into the devil or Satan or something like that. Those are biblical terms for the aggregate of hell and different parts of hell. He says there's sort of a Satan part of hell and there's a devil part of hell. Yeah. You know, they're sort of an aggregate of human evil, which I actually find kind of a helpful way to describe it. Yeah. And you can still, you know, talk about, okay, that whole thing is like Yeah, it's not a bad way to express it as the devil, but it's not like it has equal power with God. And I would say that Swedenborg would say that absolutely uh, the Lord loves the devil. He understands the nature of evil. He wants to save people from their evil and is frustrated that he's got to deal with them more on the level of truth than of overt love or something, because that it goes in the wrong ear or whatever. Yeah. It, just, it just doesn't help. Yeah, on a recent News
0: From Heaven episode, we were talking about how the divine design, when things are out of the divine design, which the kind of love of dominion and being mean and bad that we would call hell or the devil in someone, that's outside the divine design, that God never stops loving somebody who's outside the divine design. And actually, the ceaseless effort of God is to bring the person back into the divine design yeah. as much as they possibly will, and in that same episode i believe we talked about how in your uh, true christianity translation number 56 god cannot even look at us with a frown <laughs> that's the one yeah, number impossible i know
1: possible to look at us with a frown yeah. so oh that's
0: wonderful god loves everyone however like we're talking about here love and wisdom wisdom have to go together so just to say i love somebody who is caught up in this horrendous evil doesn't mean I love you. I'm going to let you do anything you want to anybody. I'm going to let you continue in your evil regardless of I'm the love. I'm going to help you. I'm going to fund
1: the, your latest project. This, this is right. what
0: you, whatever you want, you can do it. Wisdom is saying, well, I know if I let you continue unrestricted down the path you're going down, you're going to hurt a ton of people, and you're going to give yourself a much worse time of it. So I'm going to thwart you, and you're going to hate it, but in the end, I'm doing what love would really do for your long-term better benefit. Better for you and better yeah. for
1: everybody, Yeah, which takes infinite wisdom to to do that
0: great great question thanks so much let's take a look at the next one one. thx 1138 asks like my brother says (laughs) when does life why does life have to be a big mystery it's because we uh moved away from the garden of eden
1: good good answer
0: there was an initial state that swedenborg describes in which we, you naturally, you didn't have to teach your kids share, it's good to share, they wanted to share. You you just came into the world naturally having this love for everyone. You didn't put yourself as better or more important than other people. In that state, we were in the order of our lives. Swedenborg says this is how the human race began and then you just knew everything about life. That love pulled wisdom, oh, I mean, wisdom. they pulled that wisdom in with it and as such, uh, Life wasn't a big mystery. Angels could talk to you, God could talk to you. You had it all figured out, but not the case anymore.
1: Yeah, that's a very, very good answer, and it makes me think of that scripture because I think it's foretold in the Bible, and Swedenborg certainly talks about it, that there will be a good time coming ahead for the human race. New church. Where we get back into this kind of situation, and you see this in the Old Testament prophets, where doesn't it say something like, uh, no one will teach anybody, no one will say to anybody any longer, know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. Yeah. And um, so I love that idea that the day will come again when we know. We, we just got pretty ignorant about spiritual stuff because we got terribly, terribly interested in our running shoes and very sort of, you know, and how to you know, invest finances and, and not saying any of that stuff is bad. But it just preoccupied us so that we got very worldly, materialistic, and focused on uh, love of self and, and other things and yeah. weren't thinking so much in a way that the heavens can relate to so that they can communicate with us better and so that our, our thoughts are aligning better. Uh, and uh, I do find it a little frustrating because a lot of people who have near death experiences. All of a sudden, like, all their questions are answered. Yeah. And Swedenborg says, when you go through the death process, they'll answer any questions. Yeah. Like, well, how about now? You yeah. know, like, I've got all these questions right. now. And, and uh, why does it does seem like it, it's frustrating uh, that, um, that it seems to need to be kind of under this veil of mystery and we don't know what's going on. And
0: part of why is because, according to our friend Swedenborg, I wouldn't like it if I knew what was going on, because I, I as Curtis, <laughs> Good have a proprium, or a, uh, my own, which you could translate as ego, that I want to be as well-liked and uh, respected, and I want everyone to do what I want them to do, I want life to unfold, I want fame and fortune, and everything like that, and Divine Providence knows I can't give you all that stuff because, first of all, aren't you thinking about all the other people that would be affected by that? Second of all, that would turn you into a total jerk and ruin your spiritual life. Yeah. So, but because I can't let go of that on some level, we all have, like, good and bad, but there's a part of me that, that does, that's like, no, that's all I want. Yeah. And so... And divine if you pro- could
1: really see behind the scenes. You'd yeah. like, what are you doing? You like, know, that's my favorite thing you're yeah. taking away. The then. divine yeah.
0: providence is like thwarting my highest ambitions. Swedenborg says we, we would rage against
1: God and that's a problem. So, so better so to just have it in the fog, it's like some, I don't know what's going it's on. I can't, can't tell where my life yeah. is or where I'm going. <laughs> yep. So Yeah, I, I, but I'm with you. Let's let's it would be nice to get beyond that. that oh, fog, for sure. Listen. And and have more clarity.
0: I'll give up all my issues if we can just get a break from this whole. Life is a mystery. Everything's hard stuff, you know. Okay, so great, great question. question. Let's uh, let's do one more. Goodwill asks, if is there any way to get out of hell if one has landed there after the judgment? Mm. So Swedenborg is this fascinating mix because he's got so many lovey kind of. Kumbaya, feeling things. And people from all kinds of spiritual traditions can get to heaven, of
1: course. Yeah, right. Um, love right. is the most important thing. Which God, is astonishing in yeah. that time period for anybody to say anything remotely That's like r- that.
0: That's right. Uh, God never stops loving anyone. All these awesome things. But he's also got this really hard edge not hard edge, but really gritty kind of depiction of life after death, where there very much is hell, although hell is... I'm going to give this kind of a long preamble because I feel like I'm knocking over other Swedenborgian cans of worms as I stumble through this. (laughs) It was a fascinating thing. We were talking about it. Oh man, what... some program where we were just talking about this that... Oh, it was was another radio show that I was on, um, that, guess what? Hell and heaven are both doing the same thing. They are both places designed to make the people in them as happy as possible. The difference is that hell is where what you love the most are horrendous, heinous ways to treat other people. So there's a a great limit to the the ways in which you can get happiness and how much freedom you can have. Whereas heaven is where a state of mind where what you love the most is making everyone happy. And you can just go nuts with that. Right. So... I guess all that, uh, from all that, I've almost forgotten what the question was, but... Uh, yeah,
1: well, getting out of hell, if you've oh, yeah. landed there after the judgment, and... Um,
0: so, you, all, all I was trying to say is, like, yeah, right, so there is this hell, and what what's up with that? That's what I was going to say.
1: Good. And uh, <laughs> part of what Swedenborg says, it doesn't really address the question entirely, but uh, there's not a... Um, like, everybody goes through their own... Uh, Judgment, and it's really more like you find out what you're really like. Yeah. You know, it gets revealed to you and everybody else what your core loves are inside. And the Lord's very patient with that process. It can take a long time and and so on. Um, In some passages, a lot of passages, he does sound like uh, if people really are determined, because the only way to get to hell is to be so hateful of God and other people that you're yeah. absolutely, you you can't resist it, you just attack them with everything you've got. And um, no and once you kind of take a strong stand in that way, people don't seem to back off of it. But there's kind of, in some of Swedenborg's passages, there's hell and then there's hell, hell. You know, yeah. the, there's, uh, a place where people are, are living their lives and they hang out with friends in the evening and yeah. and it's just sort of normal life and then if you do the wrong thing, if you if you're stealing or you try to hurt people or you have some plot or something like yeah. that, then you go down to some place of punishment and that's the real hell I think yeah. and that is temporary. People get out of right there. I think they get to the I think every. in fact in some passages he sounds like after about a hundred years nobody gets punished anymore because they all figure out what the rules are, you know whether yeah. they like it or they don't they figure out how to not go through hell hell at least yeah you know. so right I, I'll be interested well, to see when I get there there's you
0: know? so in organized Swedenborgian thought there's often this uh, vocal group that all says like there, hell lasts forever because Swedenborg will make these statements of you right. have a dominant love that after death is never changed to eternity. He does have in his earlier the earlier secrets of heaven, earlier spiritual diary seeming, these seeming statements about people being let out of yeah. hell, brought he up into heaven. rising
1: up and so on. Um, right. S- and, s- and it's hard to know how to reconcile those. Hard to yeah. know how to reconcile.
0: I'm think and I think we've had this discussion before, I think it was in a panel show where I was saying that I'm heretical on this because I, forever, and this is what I I think of, I think of the, the earth as a correspondence, in that there is nothing in the earth that's not eventually recycled. So you think about even the sea creatures that died 415 million years ago and got solidified and became down in the muck and became fossils, went down into under the earth's plates. I don't know how this stuff works. <laughs> but then later they woom, pop up and they're in Arizona in some bluff and they're up there and they get eroded by the wind. Everything gets recycled. Even Swedenborg, and you might want to get the kids far away from the TV for this one, Swedenborg talks about poop like hell is like excrement. What happens with excrement? Yeah. It doesn't stay excrement.
1: Even he says. Yeah. It smells so, nice in the fall and stuff like that. And, yeah, yeah,
0: and right. you know, talking about the, the veil, that there was the, the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, and that at some point they're going to remove the veil between the second and the third layer
1: or something you told me about that the yeah. sort of thing. And, and I love George Dole's point. that He says nobody's been in hell forever yet.
0: I, so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if the purpose of creation, like we were just saying, is an eternal union of the Creator with the human race. Is God gonna take an L on that? Or is he gonna accept a C plus? Or is he gonna find a way? I don't know, Swedenborg didn't come out and champion it, but if you just think about it, something's gotta be up.
1: And I love the fact that a lot of people who look at this are thinking mainly about that divine love yeah, and the constant effort, which I I know from what Sweetmore says, yeah. is unceasing. Yeah. to rescue everybody from the evil yes. to the greatest extent possible. Yeah, so. Who knows what's possible? I mean, we haven't been there yet. No, it really is true. And no matter
0: where you are, God is constantly trying to make you, in every moment, as happy as you can possibly be. So that'll be there. Great question. Okay, we're a little over time, but that's going to be no problem. We'll make it up here. We'll do our elevator pitch in 20 seconds. 30 seconds, yeah, 20 seconds. Okay. Okay. Okay, all right, let's go on to the elevator pitch. Submit if you haven't already, if we don't already have our ones. Okay, we'll see you. Man, I feel like we've expended a lot of energy in that last section. Hopefully we've still got something in us. The point of the elevator pitch section is that we have these concepts that Swedenborg talks about that are super, you know, complicated and unwieldy, and yet, mm. if it's really something that's true, you should be able to describe it succinctly without resorting to just pure jargon and fluffy clouds of ver- verbiage clouds, verbiage <laughs> clouds, something like that. Um, I love ha- just being able to throw out terms I don't know, and I know that you know them, so <laughs> you'll you'll correct me if need be. Uh, so. That said, also there are times when you have to try to describe these concepts to human beings, and you don't have the luxury of an hour-long video with a fairly interested audience, anyway. So, what, how can we practice this? And you guys can, and and the real point of it is to watch us squirm and fail. That's so, it. Here we go. This what we're going to do is, starting off, we're going to have this what we call elevator pitch. Ele- how it's going to work is we'll begin with dr jonathan rose and we'll imagine he and i just stepped on an elevator and we have one minute till it gets to the top i ask him a question which will be about a subject with you guys are submitting it right now we don't know what it's going to be he will have to improvise and try to describe what that
1: is and why it's important (laughs) in one minute are you ready and and Silence is also an option, I assume. (laughs) Just just stay silent the whole time? Just weeping. That's right. Up the 44 levels of the elevator. We'll
0: see what what happens this time. Okay, so our topic for Jonathan's is, how does the more extreme aspects of mysticism tie into Swedenborg's concept of what we in the West think of as modern Christianity? Mm.
1: How does the more extreme aspects of mysticism tie into Swedenborg's
0: concept? All right. So you'll have to define for yourself what these extreme aspects of mysticism are. Yeah, I guess it would be right. Swedenborg's journeys through the spiritual world and all that. How is he the bridge from that? Let's okay. I've just stepped in. Let's. Uh, I'm. I'm going to ask you this. I'm asking you this question, and we'll have sixty seconds. Here we go.
1: So some people make this sort of false dichotomy between the idea that oh, there's sort of like woo-woo, new age stuff or something and then there's the Bible and there's sort of straight up Christianity. Swedenborg is an interesting figure. I don't know if you've heard of him. He bridges between these two points by saying, wait a minute, the Bible is a very mystical document when you look at it. It has a lot of spiritual experiences in it. In some places he even says it is the book of spiritual experiences. It's John's experience on the Isle of Patmos and so on. And so what he tries to do is to get that spiritual aspect back into the Christian conversation. Christianity's become a lot about politics and, you know, gerrymandering I and mean, what, whatever. It's like, OK, let's not leave out that life after death piece and the mystical piece, because there's something in everyone's soul that calls to them to say, hey, there's something more than this. And what is that something? And Swedenborg has the answer.
0: <laughs> Very nice. Oh, you, you have this emotional ending to it. <laughs> Really, that's why we've had so much trouble (laughs) getting him going on YouTube, (laughs) is because he is this connection between extreme mysticism, traveling off seeing the spirits of other planets Mm. and going through hell and heaven, and yet we're saying with Divine Love and Wisdom book, this is not very Christian compared to his other stuff, because he'll hit you hard with tons of biblical references, Jesus Christ, all that, but yet to him, they make this seamless hole, and you did a great job mm, explaining you. that there. I'm, I don't even no, want to get off great. the elevator. Let's go to another floor, and we'll keep talking about it. Yeah, this. great. Okay, <laughs> so that, we, that's how the game is played. We've got one more, which is going to be me trying to describe this. This will be much more relaxing to the To Dr. Jonathan Rose. Okay, and what am I going to be telling him? <laughs> I would love to hear Swedenborg's take on gardening. Ah. Great. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Are you a gardener? Wait, don't answer that, because you actually are. Did you know that heaven is called the garden of God? Hmm. That actually the act of sowing seed, tilling, organizing a piece of land Mm. directly mirrors and actually corresponds with the process of you and I sorting out our minds, prioritizing the good and true things that will actually lead to useful herbs and food and the things that make our spirits sing, removing the things that would clutter and cloud up and strangle the life out of us. The the very act of gardening, not only is a metaphor for that, but actually there are good spirits that can live inside the affection for gardening. So when you see a garden, you might just get a satisfaction of some order and symmetry. Mm -hmm. Your angels with you are seeing a representation of the wisdom of heaven, and uh, it's not a very expensive hobby, so you might want to try it. (laughs) <laughs> I could very have got another second or two. Very before that good, there, yeah, that's nice. So Swedenborg obviously like had his own garden and everything, was very into them. The he whole was thing.
1: very into it, yeah. People talk about going over to his house and finding him in his garden. He's putzing around out yeah. there and he loved to collect exotic plants. And so many of his ornaments in his first editions are sort of have a gardening theme, the cornucopia or, you know, uh, and digging away and so on. He has some motto on his works is with care and work. That's how you make your, you know, that's yeah. how you, like you care about it and then you work at it and, and then you hope that, that uh, God brings the increase kind of thing. So yeah, man. that was, yeah, that was inspiring. I oh, looked, thanks I man. I have handle a handle uh, so You're like good a, on an elevator.
0: Oh, come on. Um, I have like, it's like a, it's kind it, of the right Setting for you. <laughs> In our, like, in my, like, show ideas thing, I have one that thing that's entitled, The Garden of God, because I thought that was such a cool quote oh, by, by Swedenborg. Um, so, those, hey, those are two great elevator pitches, and, and not, not ones that I would have seen coming from people. No, but but no hate.: hey, that was very good. You never let well, us done, down. Everybody. All right, so hey, let's not let you down, because we promised that we would put your answers to our yeah, icebreaker questions. Yeah, now question. let's
1: hear some real wisdom and love.
0: Now, let's get to it. So this is what you had to say about the comforting God. So, that's a little exercise. In mindfulness, that our title ran. does not that nice? It's too long. <laughs> did you find yourself in stillness, or were you yeah. hoping we would get on with that? I was
1: actually out. reflecting on. It. I'm very <laughs> eager to hear what people have to say. Okay. About how they find God comforting. Like what? What is it? How, how do yeah. they experience that? It, it, one of the great things about this show is being able to hear people live. Yeah. You know, when in the past did you yeah. get that? It, like, get real time feedback from people on what, how they see God and some of these most important questions. You know?
0: Let's uh, let's do that very thing this very second. Okay. As our Father, my Shepherd. That's mm. from joy. And a lot of people, that, the 23rd Psalm, you know this That's very right. comforting imagery. <coughs> Warm, safe, sure presence. I like that. Great string Present of four. Is a great word there. I yeah. picture God as my home, mm. Man, the, d- the dwelling place. I picture Jesus as my best friend. Mm. God is a feeling, a feeling of freedom flight. Nice. That God is love and God is everywhere, providing guidance and wisdom in my life. Awesome.
1: Yeah, that's good, huh? I picture God as a shepherd with a lamb in his hand. That's, That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. God is a radiant Jesus. God cares about the details of my life and works on working things out for me.
0: The idea of somebody else being in on the details of your life. Is yeah, so, yeah,
1: that, that is very comforting, isn't it? That they know, you know, what you're going through. I envision a fatherly being looking down over a fishbowl with compassion and care, love. Oh, we
0: are just little neon Tetris.
1: I picture a warm golden light that surrounds me with deep, powerful love.
0: These are, it's so cool just to that's see these, like great. the peering over the fishbowl, that's the warm really light. Good. just You never think of them, but now you can put them in your mind and yeah, let yeah, them that's get right. filled in. I picture God as a pure white force field constantly surrounding mm. me. Nice. I cannot picture God, but I feel comfort in laying all decisions at God's feet and trusting that decisions fall into place being made for me. I like that. Yeah, that's awesome. For me, it's remembering His hand making my path in the past, making me know He is making my path now. What pure love for someone like me. That is the truth. I picture God standing behind me, guiding
1: me through life. Mm. It's right. I got you. As pure love energy and as a loving smile through Jesus Christ. Nice. I picture Him as a constant love with a perfect loving solution to every problem, and he's old and gold in color.
0: So there's like there, there's right. the, the appearance, and then also the function. You know, which yeah, is just what function, we were talking. What's about.
1: going on? I picture her, him as my parents. Ah, oh. really nice. God's voice of reassurance and constant presence. There's that presence again. The ultimate father figure, someone I can rely on no matter what, and just pure love.
0: Remembering Meister Eckhart's words, it is a lie. Any talk of God talk of, any talk of God that does not comfort you. That does not comfort you. Yeah, there you (laughs) go. (laughs) That's That's how you smell it out, if it's not true. Yeah. I pictured God as a man like me with dark, curly hair, short beard, and deep violet eyes. He has a quick smile, sharp sense of fun, and a loving, compassionate, forgiving heart. There you've got like, like, yeah, well, it's like I've got a very specific picture, and that's I'm developing a relationship with this picture. That's right. I envision myself being held in giant hands. Mm. He's got the whole world in there. So, those are very precious nice. precious things that people are I like sharing, that. and w- very much appreciate it because now we can take them, everybody can take those. And if you're watching this afterwards, share yours in the comments because if God is the, the, sometimes called the comforter and if that if the point of creation is this dwelling together mm. and, the, and the comfort aspect the allowing us, us to let go of our tight grip on worry in life, enables that connection, like Swedenborg says. Yeah. It's very important for us to develop this kind of trust in a comforting God.
1: Th- those thoughts, mental, Im- they took a variety of forms, didn't they? Thoughts, yeah. mental images, or, you know, s- situations, or, or truths uh, of various kinds um, are immensely Im- important yeah. at helping us connect with God. Oh, I yeah. mean, God wants to bridge that gap, but our own at- sense of autonomy needs to Come up with something on our end that say, "This is this is how I draw that in. This is how I picture that." And they're all so different and beautifully various,
0: different prism sides. And if you have this stuff, God is love and wisdom and is a divine human one apart from space and time. But don't understand the comfort and the love that they're talking about. You're missing the main the headline of what God is. So you got to have that in order to bring the stuff we're talking about to life. And uh, I think that's a good note to end the show on. Yes. today. Thanks so much for hanging out, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Good fun, Curtis. Hey, h- hang out with us more. We've got a lot of programming going on now. We've got our new show, News from Heaven, every Thursday, that you can take a deep dive into a specific part of Swedenborg's Writings, an annotated journey. We really get in there and find out not only what's in it, but how does it relate to how you think and feel throughout the day? Yeah. How can it be an That's uplift? really an awesome show. It's been a lot of fun making it so far, and to help out this show, I said it before, I'll say it again, like and subscribe, that's important. Click the bell if you're, if you're already subscribed, and just put in your input, put in comments. Hey, do you want to talk about Patreon for a oh, second? Oh, I'd
1: love to. Patreon is a non-profit, uh, in other words, we're a non-profit, and so Patreon is a way that people can log on and be patrons, yeah. and for a s- small monthly amount, just a standard of, you know, $3, $5, whatever a month. Yeah. It really helps us uh, and shows us love. And we share with you sometimes behind-the-scenes footage, yep. sometimes other silly or frivolous things. Yeah. As, sometimes as a personalized Q&A
0: sessions and, and that kind of thing.
1: That's right. Just an important... Various little perks, because we really appreciate the help so that we can get this message to everybody. You, know. you may have noticed
0: everything's free, that we say you can download the books for free, the, the show is free, we don't even run ads right. on this. It's because people have been inspired to say, hey, I want to make the manifestation of that possible. This is one way to do it. Thanks so much. And we're
1: so grateful oh to the gosh. donors who make... I mean, it's, it's a blast for us to do yeah. this. So thank it you. may seem like I'm scowling the whole time, but actually I love it.
0: No, this is as joyful as he gets. So this is, <laughs> this is pretty good. Okay, next Monday we're going to be back. We're gonna be, we looked at divine love and wisdom. Now we're going to look at divine providence. Ooh. Diving deep into this theme that came up in those comments about God managing the details of our lives. How does that mm. work? What does it all mean? Why do bad things happen? That's coming up next week, so uh, we'll see you then. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Livestream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea
1: Odner.